Some of you are right now in some very trying circumstances in your lives. I have two very important words for you. Are you ready? Praise God. Praise God. Some of you have received some very distressing medical news. Some of you are living with distressing medical news that kind of hangs over you like a cloud. I have two words for you. Praise God. Some of you are living in seasons of grief, having lost someone very close to you, someone you loved. I have two words for you. Praise God. Some of you are living with great uncertainty concerning your own employment, your financial future, some anxiety such as that that hangs over you. I have two words for you. Praise God. Some of you have recently heard the words from the person who once said, I do, now say, I don't anymore. I have two words for you. Praise God. Some of you struggle with depression or have been overcome with apathy. And I have two words for you. Praise God. Some of you are trying to overcome addictions and wounds that are too deep for words. I have two words for you. What are they? Praise God. I bring those two words to you from the Bible. Because if you've been reading your Bible, you'll notice something. That in the midst of any kind of adversity, God is daring you to praise Him. He is daring you to praise Him. God is daring you to praise Him in the midst of the storm. An excellent example of that is Psalm 57 in your Bibles. And uh, David in this psalm accepts the dare. He accepts the dare to praise God in the midst of adversity. What adversity, you ask? Go ahead. How do we discover what the adversity was? What do we call that bigger picture? Context. Thank you very much. The context of this passage is 1 Samuel 18 through 31. It was a time when David was being hunted down by King Saul. Everything had started great with Saul. Saul met David when he came and slew Goliath on his behalf. Everything was great. Saul liked to have David come and play his guitar and sing his songs. It made him feel good. And then suddenly Saul went the other way. Saul perhaps became jealous of the relationship that David had with his own son, Jonathan. Perhaps he just became jealous of the popularity that David had gained. But in any case... David's whole world just flipped over, and Saul was hunting him down to do what? To kill him. To kill him. Now, if you can imagine having the President of the United States turning all of his forces on you, you can begin to imagine what it was like in context when David wrote this psalm in Psalm 57. Now, I know that you're not going to be able to read that, so I'm going to read it for you. And I put it up there anyway, anyway, just to say, how come you're not bringing your Bibles to church? You're really counting on me to put everything on the wall for you? 
Is that what this has become? In the midst of the context that I just shared with you, David said, Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I'll take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. There's the context. God sends His love and His faithfulness. I'm in the midst of lions. I lie among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God. Here's where he praises him. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Then he goes back. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit for my path, but they've fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Here he goes. I will sing and make music. Awake my soul. Awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Did you see it? David accepted God's dare. He's in the midst of great adversity. His life's at stake. What did he do? He accepted the dare. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to praise God in the midst of this thing. I'm going to praise God in the midst of this thing I don't understand. I'm going to praise Him. I want you to notice a few things about this passage with me. First, notice that it's perfectly okay to cry out to God in times of trouble. It's okay. In case you're wondering, in your distress... In your adversity, you mean I'm just supposed to sing songs of praise to God? Is that what you're saying? It's perfectly okay to cry out. Look what David did. Have mercy. How's he start? Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster is past. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. What? Do you see his perspective in the midst of his cry? That somehow you're fulfilling your purpose for me. Somehow, in this distress, in this turmoil, in this threat, even somehow, you're fulfilling your purpose. So I cry out to you, O Lord. This guy's after me. This is bad. But I cry out to you. So praising God in the midst of adversity does not prevent us from crying out in faith for his rescue. Second, I want you to notice that praising God in the midst of the storm is always a matter of the heart. David said, I'm in the midst of lions. I lie among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet, and I was bowed down in distress. And then he says, my heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul, awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. He says, my heart is steadfast. In the midst of this turmoil, in the midst of this disaster, my heart is strong. Praising God is always, in the midst of the storm is always a matter of dialing into your heart, not staring at your circumstances. Solomon said in Proverbs, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Are you guarding your heart? I mean, what are the priorities? What's the center of your heart? Who's the treasure of your life? What's the true treasure of your life? What are you trying to do with your life? That will reveal 
your heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is God your treasure? Is seeking God's will and knowing God your treasure? If that's true, if that's true when you're not in the storm, your heart will be strong enough to cause you to praise God when the storm comes. But you've got to tend to your heart, beloved. You've got to tend to your heart. And the direct access to the heart is, of course, through the mind. And the things that we expose ourselves to and the things that we allow in determine the condition of our hearts, don't they? The things we call priorities and treasures determine the true condition of our hearts. If you want to praise God in the midst of the storm, you've got to tend to your heart when the, praise, when the storm isn't on. And I want you to notice something that you already know. And that's praising God is always a matter of focusing on the character of God, not on His acts. Did you hear me? Praising God is always a matter of focusing on His character, not what you think He is or isn't doing with your circumstances. Have we not been around this pole many times here at the vineyard? That The difference, the distinction between praise and thanksgiving is thanksgiving is expressing our gratitude for something that God has done. But praise, praise is extolling Him simply for who He is whether he's doing anything or not, whether he appears to be doing anything or not. It's just lifting him up for who he is. And if your heart is strong, you can focus on the character of God, even when the circumstances ain't so good. You feeling this? Look at what David did. For great is your love. Reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Your glory And he's focusing on God's love, his faithfulness, and his glory. And these are qualities of God. These are attributes of God. These are dimensions of God's character that do not change. And so we can worship him, we can praise him in the midst of the storm when we focus on these things. And uh, David was focusing not on his circumstances, but he was choosing to focus on God's character in the midst of his circumstances. I just think God is daring us to praise him. I just think God is saying, I dare you. Praise me. See what happens. You know, I got, you know, gave some thought this week to why is it that some people resist freely and frequently praising God? Why do some people, they come to Christ, they bow their heads to Christ, they kneel at the cross, they ask Jesus Christ into their lives, they accept His salvation, they endeavor to read their Bibles, pray their prayers, do some ministry. And I see this, I see, I see a component missing in the lives of some believers who choose not to express their praise to God. And I wonder, why is this, Lord? Why is this? And I don't mean that you have to express your praise like someone else. And I don't really know if you're expressing your praise. I don't know what's going on on the inside. No one can know. But I just know from talking with people, working with people for many decades of ministry now, that some people fail to praise God. They just fail to praise Him. They do all the rest. They do all the rest. Dutifully, they give their tithe. 
dutifully they teach in the children's ministry. And all by duty they do these things out of a sense of obligation. It's the right thing to do. But they are lacking in a release of praise to God. Free and frequent praise to God. However that person would do it. But they're lacking in that. And I just pondered and prayed, Lord, why? And I have, uh, I have a few ideas. I don't have time to develop these. Maybe I'll finish this next week. But some is a lack of knowledge. Some are unaware of the power of praise. They're unaware of what's waiting for them if they can figure out how to release and praise God. Some are, are unaware. Some don't know how to praise some say, I don't know what you guys are doing. You guys are all strange here. You're all jumping up and down, clapping your hands. The guy, bald guy gets up with a microphone, starts working everybody. What's going on? I don't even know what you're doing. I don't know how to praise. Maybe I'll talk about that next week. But the core answer is simply this. Find something inside of you that resonates with some dimension of the character of God and celebrate it. It was His love. It was His faithfulness. It was His glory. That in the midst of that turmoil, David could resonate with, and he praised him for it. Some people don't know the essential why. Why should I do that? Why should I praise? Why should I get all worked up and praise God? Because the Bible, I'll show you this next week. I think I will do this. Just made a decision. Is that okay with you, Lord? It's okay with the Lord. I'm going to do this next week. In Hebrews, the Bible says, that we should offer up the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips of those who declare His name. That the sacrifice of the believer is praise. There, you don't need to bring a pigeon, a dove, a lamb anymore because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you as the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. That sacrifice has been made for you. And you go, well, what do I do? My hands are empty. I want to do something in response to this. I want to bring my sacrifice. Your sacrifice is to praise God. That's the, that, that's the music to His ears. That's the incense to His nostrils, it says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. I'll talk about that more next week. Some people, they just lack knowledge. They're unaware of the dangers of refusing to praise God. They think it's kind of optional. Well, I'll be one of, I'm not going to be one of those sort of off-the-hook believers. I'm going to be sort of a normal believer. Not like Dennis here. He's all sort of weird and worked up and stuff, you know? They don't understand the dangers of making that decision. In uh, Acts chapter 12, Herod learned the dangers of not giving praise to God, where he was immediately struck dead and was eaten by worms. Do you believe the Bible or not? I mean, we say we do. How can we gloss over that? Are you saying, are you threatening me, Tom? No, but I think the word might be. I think if you're feeling threatened by that, I think it's the word of God falling on you, saying if you've made a decision not to praise God for whatever reason, if you've made that decision, there are worms eating at your life. The enemy's in there somewhere taking things that should be yours. And you can turn that around by praising him. Well, I think some people are struck with an infection of doubt. Remember how you believed when you first came to Christ? Remember how your heart was stirred? And you believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you? You remember that or not? Do you remember it? 
And then as time goes on, life goes on, little insidious openings, little windows, little doors left open for the enemy to come in and bring doubt. Oh, I don't know if I believe that. I still believe enough to be saved. That's good. No, it's not. An infection of doubt. You know what God's saying to you if you're living in a season of doubt? Praise me. He said, I dare you. You don't think I am who they say I am? Praise me and see. A shell of pride. We men got this bad, don't we? I'm not going to look all weird. Are you serious? God says, raise your hand. God says, clap your hands. God says, make a joyful noise. God says, shout to the Lord all the earth. And you're saying, I'm not going to be weird like that. Because of what these people might think of me? Are you freaking serious? God is saying this and you're saying, I don't care what God thinks of me. I just care what these people think of me. Oh, you're not as tough as you thought you were, are you? Are you really going to let your pride keep you from breaking out and praising God? Your way. Don't do it my way. Do it your way. If it looks like my way, great. God has two of us. If it doesn't, do it your way. But do it. I think it's a refusal to surrender a refusal to surrender. I was thinking about the military this week, you guys. And I was thinking about how tough our military is. And I was thinking about how everybody in the military has already surrendered. They've surrendered to a superior officer all the way to a commander-in-chief. Hello? This is the church. We are surrendered to Christ. We are surrendered. We've already given up. We'll never be strong. The military could never be strong if it were not organized that way. Surrendered appropriately to a commander-in-chief. We've got to be surrendered to our commander-in-chief. And if you get surrendered to him, you'll praise him. And if you're not surrendered to him, God has two words for you. Praise me. I dare you. A sense of futility. Some of you don't praise God. You say, what difference is that going to make, really? I'm talking to you men. We, we, want, we want to do stuff, don't we? Geez, yesterday, 10 o'clock, we were taking down that tree. out in the, It's been up there. It's a dead tree out there. It was a, great in the beginning. It's gone now. And there's a big tree. And there were guys, at one point, we have video of this of 12 chainsaws going at the same time. It was like a beehive. And I was so impressed with how men will show up. Not on time. They were early when there's something to do. When there's something they think is going to make a difference. And maybe you're just struck with, you know, I don't know, coming and singing my songs and raising my hands. What difference is that really going to make? The power of God is released into a church when His people praise Him. That's what difference it makes. One more. A season of boredom. Some of you are stuck in boredom. Some of you come and go, well, they're going to sing four songs. Tony's going to get up and be nice and say some things. Kids are going to go out. Bald guy's going to get up and talk a while. And we're going to go home. And with that lack of expectation, you are contributing to the lack of the move of God. 
You're too bored. God has two words for the bored. Praise me. I dare you. I dare you. Should I really do this? Should I really? Well, let me end with a couple of questions, a few questions. Does it make logical sense that the more freely and frequently you praise the God who inhabits the praises of his people, the more frequently you will personally experience his presence and power? I mean, does it, does it make logical sense that the more frequently and freely you praise him, the more you will experience him? And isn't that why you're here? You didn't come to go to church. You came to experience God, right? Does it not make sense that if God, God's power is released into the lives of those who praise him, that the enemy would do everything in his power to keep you from freely and frequently expressing your praise to him? Does it not make sense? That because you become empowered with kingdom power from God when you praise him, that the enemy would throw every reason in the world why you should not engage God in praise. Does that not make sense? In some cases, he's winning. Is not the Bible full of examples of people whose lives were blessed with the presence and power of God, who were also people who freely and frequently released their praise to God? Hello? Can we not connect those dots? And does not the Bible also offer examples of people who met catastrophe because they willfully refused to praise God when they had the ready opportunity to do so? God is saying this. I dare you to praise me wherever you are, whatever your situation, whatever your need. I dare you. I dare you to praise me. You ready? You ready? Father in heaven, we invite your presence, your power. We invite your kingdom to come and break out in this room. I invite you to come and start with my heart, Lord, and clear away every doubt, every every modicum of cynicism every you know what i struggle with lord everything that would keep me from fully praising your name i pray for those who are caught in seasons of a lack of praise i pray that your spirit would carry these words to their ears that say i dare you to praise me i pray god that you would do that i've I've done what I felt you called me to do, Lord, and there's nothing more I can do. Lord, I am not your salesman. You've got to close this, Lord. You've got to go. You've got to come now into this place and draw. I'm especially concerned for the men, Lord. I'm especially concerned. I know what this society does. I know what life and expectations do to us that cause us to be walled off, careful, concerned about certain things and and I pray for a release of your power into the heart and mind of every man here today surely everybody but I'm just especially concerned about the men God what could this place be what could this place be if we would all release praise to you we would all give you glory and honor and blessing and strength We would all reach down into the deepest parts of who we are and whatever struggle we may be in, 
and say, I accept the dare. I praise you, God, author of heaven and earth. I praise you, the one who sits enthroned over all that is. I praise you because your love never fails. I praise you because you are always faithful. I praise you because there is no circumstance that I can face that will begin to threaten who you are as God. I praise you. I praise you, Lord. I just say it out loud. I choose to praise you. God, let this be true of this church. That whatever we are on any given day, that we are every day a people who praises you. Come, Holy Spirit, now and bring us into your kingdom. Bring us into the praise. Bring us into the expression of worship this morning that you deserve in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand, church, and praise.